How many times have you uh, said this or heard somebody else say this? So far, so good. You know, uh, how's the house coming along? Or how's that project at the office? Well, so far, so good. I mean, up to now, everything's been falling in place. So fingers crossed, knock on wood. If we catch a few more lucky breaks, if we keep working hard, I think eventually in the end, it's, it's all going to come together. You know, we're, we're optimistic, but no guarantees. But what if... What if instead of looking to the past and counting on a twist of fate or the luck of the draw, what if you could look to the past and see providence, see the hand of God carefully orchestrating the circumstances, see God bringing the right people to the right time, the right place? What if you realize that what's going on here is more than just you and me? It's more than just your story and my story. What if we began to recognize that we're a part of something much, much bigger than that? We're part of his story, the story that God's trying to tell. In other words, what if instead of saying, so far, so good, we could say, so far, so God. Think of a bowling alley. You look down at the end of the lane, and you see the 10 pins, the 10 white pins, and they're standing up. What's going to knock those pins over? What's going to cause them to move? Well, the simple answer to the question is a bowling ball. But if you stop there, you're not getting the whole story. You know and I know there's more to the game of bowling than the bowling pins and the bowling ball. No, you need to step back and take a look at the bigger picture. You need to realize there's someone else standing at the other end of the lane. The bowling ball did not move on its own. It was guided by a hand. There was a reason why that bowling ball came spinning down the alley and crashed into the pins. Because there was somebody else standing at the other end of the lane who first tossed the ball. Well, so it is as a Christian, when we look to the past and look at the history of our lives or we look at the history of our world, we see more than just history. We, we see his story. We see more than just an interesting turn of events or, or uh, you know, funny coincidence. Those two people should wind up in the same place. No. We look to the past and we see providence. We see the hand of God carefully guiding and directing what's happening. Well, that's what I see when I see the story, and I take a look at the story of New Hope. 1953, there was a young man by the name of Glenn Bourne, and he was preaching over here in Palestine, Ohio, just a few miles east of Richmond, Indiana. He would preach there on the weekends, but during the week, he would drive over here to Indianapolis to attend the School of Religion on the campus of Butler University. It was a graduate school, and he was working on a master's degree. Well, there was a teacher at that school by the name of Ennis Dowling, and he'd teach there through the week, but on the weekends, he would preach for a little country church that met every Sunday morning in a small white frame building just northwest of Indianapolis, a little place known as Trader's Point. Well, in 1953, Ennis Dowling was invited to come over to Lincoln. There was a little Bible college there by the name of Lincoln Bible Institute, and they wanted to expand, add a seminary, a graduate school. And they'd asked Dennis Dowling if he would serve as their first academic dean. This is the same place that today is known as Lincoln University, the place where 55 years later, a young man by the name of Rob Jankowski would leave his beloved home in Florida along with his new bride, Sarah, and attend that school so he could work on a master's degree. And of course, as he's studying there at the seminary because of Sarah's connections to New Hope, Rob would come over here on the weekends to volunteer in our youth ministry. Are you beginning to connect the dots?
1953, just before Anna Dowling left Traders Point to go to Lincoln Bible Institute, he pulled one of the elders aside, a, a young man by the name of Clyde Bymaster. He said, uh, Clyde, I've got a recommendation for you as you're looking for your next preacher. There's this young fellow. He's in several of my classes. His name is Glenn, and he preaches for this church over there in Palestine. I, I think you ought to check him out. Well, Clyde did, and one thing led to another, and in June in 1953, just two weeks after their wedding, my dad and my mom uh, moved to Traders Point to begin a wonderful ministry there. And then a year later, I appeared at Methodist Hospital. Well, now, fast forward 34 years, we come to January of 1988. My family, my wife, myself, my, our two small children, we're working with a church on the southwest side of Indianapolis. It's just off of Kentucky Avenue. It's a little place called Mars Hill Christian Church. We'd been there for two and a half years and just loved it. I mean, if we'd stayed there for the rest of our days, we would have been happy and felt really blessed. But early on a Monday morning there in January of 1988, I get this phone call from Clyde Bymaster. Hey, David, our, our preacher just resigned, and uh, I was wondering if you might consider working with us. I was stunned. I mean, through the years, I'd heard my father talk about Clyde and what a godly man he was and how his friendship had been such an enormous influence upon his life. And now I might have the opportunity to work with him and learn from him. I, I couldn't believe it. Well, again, one thing led to another, and five months later in May of 1988, I had the privilege of becoming part of the ministry here at New Hope. Well, one day I'm out calling early on. I'm out there calling with Clyde. We're making some calls. And I asked Clyde, I said, hey, for so many years you served as an elder there at Traders Point. How did you wind up at New Hope? Well, David, that's kind of interesting. See, January of 1971, we had this preacher at Traders Point, Dave Roberts, and he came to the board meeting, first board meeting of the year, and he just kind of challenged us. Hey, guys, what's next? You know, what, it's the start of a new year. What do you think God has in mind for Traders Point? Yeah, I know we're in a good spot and things are going really well, but we can't stay where we are. Hey, God has other things for us to do. What do you think those things are? So all the elders and all the deacons and all the staff, they began to pray. And over the next couple of weeks, they began to write their ideas down on a piece of paper. And the one idea that just kept popping up more than any of the others was this. Let's plant a church. Well, in the back of his mind, Dave Roberts uh, kind of had some thoughts about where that new church could begin. The Boone County Bunch. That's what they called this small group of men and women who would gather every Wednesday evening in the home of Clyde and Martha Bymaster. So Dave Roberts began to talk to Clyde and to the others in the group and said, hey, we got some good churches up there in Boone County, especially on the north and on the west side. But right now we don't have that much on the east side. How about you get together with some of those other churches and see what God might do? Well, that's kind of scary. No building, no property, no preacher, never done anything like this before. What if it doesn't work? And besides, they've already got a good thing going. They're already part of this church, Traders Point's growing, thriving church with a phenomenal missions program. They got this wonderful preacher, Dave Roberts, and he's having a fantastic ministry. Why can't we just stay where we are? But God kept pushing and God kept prodding. And it became obvious not just to the Boone County bunch, but to those from New Brunswick and Lebanon and Mechanicsburg and the others who are part of this, that God's hand just kept opening one door after another. And a year later... July the 9th, 1972, they took a leap of faith and a church began on this property. Aren't you glad that they answered the call? See, so far, so good. Yeah, there have been a lot of good things that have been happening here, but there's so much more to the story than that. They didn't come here on their own. It was the Lord who brought them 
to this place. It's not so far, so good. It's so far, so God. It's just like we read in the Bible. First Samuel chapter 4, the nation of Israel suffers one of its most humiliating defeats. And why? Because they weren't listening to God. But then three chapters later, 1 Samuel chapter 7, they experience one of their greatest victories. And why? Because now they are trusting God. So the prophet Samuel comes along and says, let's not forget this. And Samuel puts up this large stone. He wants to be sure to mark the moment. I don't want us to forget what God has done here. So Samuel puts up this big rock and he calls it Ebenezer. Because in Hebrew, the word Ebenezer literally means thus far has the Lord helped us. We didn't get here by ourselves. The Lord brought us here. It's the Lord who's blessed us. It's the Lord who has given us all these things. Well, that's our testimony too. So what does all this mean for us right now? Well, every Sunday morning when I sit here and I think about my place in the family of God, I begin to realize I'm, I'm not here alone. When I sit here on a Sunday morning, I, I think about the chair to my left. I think about all the people who came here before me. I didn't get here by myself. Somebody brought me. Somebody invited me. Somebody made room for me so I'd not only have a place to sit, but a place to serve, a place to, to share. God was at work in this place long before I ever arrived. So at this time, this moment, I just get to be, the, I get the privilege of being a part of what he's continuing to do. And that's your story, too. Oh, I know the details are a little bit different about how you first came to New Hope or how you first got to this place. But here's what we share in common. You didn't get here by accident. Just as God has been working in my past, I know the Lord has been working in your circumstances too. So, so far so good? Yeah, there have been a lot of good things going on in your life and mine. But there's more to the story than that. The truth is, so far, so God. And the story's not over. You see, when I sit here on a Sunday morning, I not only think about the chair to my left, I think about this other chair too, the chair to my right. I think about the next generation. I think about how God wants to use your life and mine right now to make room for others so they can be a part of this story that God is telling. Maybe one day it's going to be your niece or your nephew who sits here. Maybe one day it's going to be one of your grandchildren. Maybe one day it's going to be your neighbor or your friend at work. But right now, how is God using your life and mine to make a place for others so they can be a part of the family of God as well? So far, so good? No. There's so much more to it than that. The truth is this. So far, so God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your providence. We just praise you for how you've been working in this place. We thank you, God, that you have brought us together so we can be a part of this church family too, a part of the story that you're telling. God, my prayer is help us to put the spotlight on you so that others can see your glory, so that others can experience your grace, so others can be a part of this story as well. God, we want this to just be all about you. And so we give you this prayer in Jesus' name.
I think this is something very special. Uh, we're looking back over 50 years. We're in January of 1972. God providentially arranged the circumstances to begin a church here in this part of Boone County, a church we call A New Hope. And we want to tell some stories about how God brought that all together. I'm Bob Lamb, and my wife and I were attending Traders Point Christian Church. The lead minister there was uh, Dave Roberts, and he encouraged us to consider starting another congregation. Traders Point was a 24-mile trip for us, for instance, so that in itself created some interest. The first day, we had 95 people attend, but they were just supporting us, and we were just a small group. People came forward that we'd never, ever seen before. They were excited, and they wanted to be a part of this new congregation. We were actually meeting as a congregation in the Willie House when Kenny Starkey and uh, Tom Harris approached us and offered to give us five acres of bare ground to, as a place to build a church. Kenny Starkey and Tom Harris had bought a farm here that included a large farmhouse. And during that time, from January to April, uh, we met in their house and we made arrangements to start construction. It was all very much hurried up. Between sometime in February and sometime in April, the building was built and, and we met in it in April. And so we met under improvised conditions. We used uh, space heaters to give us enough heat. It was cold. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there were, I believe, 59 charter members, and we're now tickling 550. Uh, there has been, over the years, in total offerings, some $40 million. We've typically been 20% missions, so there has been $8 million that has been supporting missions locally here in the U.S. and worldwide. and. That, I think, has been a couple of the cornerstones for New Hope here, has been its commitment to missions and its commitment to the Word. I think our, the church's commitment to missions is one of the reasons God has continued to bless us. You've heard the, the, the word family mentioned, New Hope family. Uh, it, you know, we never outgrew that infancy of surrounding and loving our people. I'd like to see what that would look like in another 50 years. I hope the next group of people that sit down here and do this can say that the New Hope family is alive and well. It's really been a blessing, and, and again, it's good to see young people that are brought up in the Bible and they want to continue on as well. We just need to all be interested in teaching the Word and try to get other people to do it as well. You've heard that it takes a village, and this was a village for our children. And I can't tell you how valuable and how much of a treasure that is for a parent to see their children come along that way. The response that most of the people would have, they would come to New Hope and we'd visit with them and they'd talk about how warm and welcoming and friendly the members were to them. And, and that's why they were willing to come back. You know, we started in a cornfield and when you look out the windows now, we're in the middle of really a city. And we had no idea. We didn't want the church to be right here. We wanted it to be closer to Lebanon, more in between. 
God had that intended all along. He knew. We had no idea. We're not a little country church because if we were still a little country church, we wouldn't be doing our job because we're in the middle of a huge growth area and we are having a huge growth in this church. And we feel so blessed and so responsible to meet what God planned for this area to be. And one of the things that we wanted to mark this occasion with is uh, if you look back in 1 Samuel, there's a story about Ebenezer and a large rock. And lo and behold, a large rock has appeared in a fence row where it had been pushed up in the Thorntown area on ground, which is owned by the Starkeys. So it's gone full circle. And Ebenezer in the Hebrew is, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And if he's helped us so far, and he's the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow, he will continue to help us as we put forth our efforts for him. And so let us strive to build on the shoulders of those who have gone before us that we would can continue uh, this ministry here at New Hope. incredible, isn't it? We really are <clears throat> standing on the shoulders of those who came before us. I got to tell you, I feel honestly out of place this morning. <laughs> like this is one of those mornings I should just sit back and listen and watch. Been here for 13 years at the church and been the lead minister now for five years. And the history of this place uh, for me can just be a little bit overwhelming. Uh, to think where, we're, where we've been and how many faithful people have sacrificed so much to get this place where it is, uh, man, it can get, get to you a little bit. Um, and I didn't know what David was going to say in first service. So now, before we get into it, just a little bit, we're not going to go long. Don't worry. You're like, oh man, Rob and David, like, are we here all day? <laughs> um, so before we get into it, um, there was an announcement that I worked really hard to get into the sermon and it just didn't fit uh, like beautifully. So I just want to, I want to make an announcement to you um, of thanks uh, because we put a challenge out before you at the end of last year. We said, Hey, when we get to the place where we're going to finish 50 years of ministry, it'd be really cool to be in a place where we're ready for the next 50 years of ministry. And so I'm really excited to tell you that as, as of this past Tuesday morning, we are a 100% debt-free church. So... And we are ready for what God has in the future. And so let me start this way. I love everything about this morning. I love everything about getting ready and planning for this morning and reflecting and thinking back. God has called us. One of the most common commands in your entire Bible is to remember. 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 Look back. Remember how faithful God has been. Remember where he's brought you. Remember the God who has brought you this far. And simultaneously, one of the more common commands in the Bible is to look forward, to look ahead, to be a people of great vision and expectation. 
Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But to the one who heeds wisdom's instruction, he is blessed. The one who with wisdom moves forward into what God has for them next, they're blessed. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. I don't look back. I press forward to win the prize for which God has set before me in Christ Jesus. So there's this beautiful connection between remembering and looking forward, between looking back and looking into the future with vision. And both are so vitally important. Think about it this way. I I think about it like a vehicle. Uh, You're familiar with a rearview mirror, I'm sure. These things are unbelievably important, right? It's, It's vitally important. As a matter of fact, just the other day I was driving and I guess the music or the podcast I was listening to was a little bit too loud and I'm driving and I see a car pull. I'm like, what are you doing? And I just keep going like, all right, get like, I got to get around you. And then all of a sudden I looked in the rear view mirror and could not hear the sirens coming up behind me of a fire truck and ambulance, but thought, oh, and I had to get out. Why? This thing helped me not stay in their way. You see, these things are extremely important. It helps you look back to see what's coming from your past. It helps, helps you look back to see where you've been. And even from time to time, when you have to back up just a little bit, it tells you where you're going. But you know, as well as I do, you can't drive a vehicle forward staring at the rearview mirror without inevitably crashing. And the same thing is true. We we need these. They help us. They help us look back. And in the same way, we need to be a remembering people because it helps us to look back to remember where we've been. But notice which view is bigger and which one's smaller. And this is true biblically as well. The rearview mirror is so much smaller than the windshield. And in the same way, the call to remember is a lot smaller than what God wants to do leading you forward. And so as a church, as we continue to go forward, there's a lot of different things we could have talked about. What I want to do is just one thing. I'm going to look at one small verse that I think connects the rearview mirror and the windshield, if you will. I think it connects where we've been and where we're going. You might call it the marks of a healthy church, because for 50 years, this place has been a very healthy church. And so what is it that has been so healthy? What are the values, as I look in the rearview mirror of New Hope, that have got us to where we're presently at? Therefore, as we look into the windshield, there might be a lot of things that need to change. There might be a lot of things that God leads us to that look a little bit different than they did the last 50 years. But what are the things that shouldn't change? What are the values? What are the marks of a healthy church as we move forward into the next 50 years of ministry? Now, you might be thinking, I wasn't a part of the last 50. I'm here. This is my first Sunday, man. What are you doing? Let me tell you this. This verse can also do this for you. As followers of Jesus, we use the word apprentice around here a lot or as a disciple of Jesus. I think this verse should describe our families, our marriages, and our individual lives. I think when we get to the end of our life, the verse we're going to look at that has described New Hope for 50 years and should describe New Hope for the next future, however many years the Lord has for us, should also describe our lives. It's found in the book of Acts, if you have your Bible. Acts chapter 2, briefly, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, is describing the early church, and it says this. They, this group of believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I mean, you can clearly see right away, like, hey, this, this is described new hope. It should describe new hope. This really should describe our lives. When I get to the end of my life, what I would want said of my family is this. Hey, Rob's family, yeah, they devoted themselves to these things. But here's the thing about devotion. It's not accidental. 
You can't trip and stumble and find yourself in spiritual maturity. You just can't do it. You can't accidentally find the treasure that is maturity. You can't. Devotion, to be devoted to something, requires intentionality, focus, concentration, priority, values. These are all things that describe what it means to be devoted to something. So when we think about the early church, this first church, and the, and the Bible describes, as Luke is writing Acts, he describes them as being devoted. You would say this was their priority. This is what they valued. This was more important than anything else to them. And he starts off with the apostles' teaching. This is the Bible. For them, it was literally listening to the teaching of the apostles. For us, it's our, it's our Bible. It's the, it's the full canon of scripture. And they devoted themselves to it, which means they memorized it. They read it. They digested it. They studied it in depth. And they used it as the navigating piece of their life. It was the most important thing for them. And if you'll look up the way that this works, you'll look up at the beginning of this chapter where Peter stands up and preaches the first sermon. When Peter stands up to address this huge crowd, you get a little bit of a, a, a clue into the authority with which he speaks and the priority for which he speaks. The authority with which he speaks, he says this, men of Israel, listen. He says, listen, pay attention. Everybody focus and listen. Now he could say anything after that. What he's doing is he's showing his authority. His authority comes from the Holy Spirit that just came upon them in the upper room prior to this. He stands up. Based on the authority the Holy Spirit's giving me, listen. And the first thing out of his mouth, men of Israel, listen, Jesus, Jesus. He could have said a lot of things. Men of Israel, listen, I know some of you are feeling a little bit confused about the wind and the, the giant, what just took place. You could, like, that's crazy. Or the fact that you can understand. A lot of you are, he could have started in a lot of different places, but he starts with Jesus. That's the foundation of the beginning of the church. That is the number one priority was the word of God. It was what Jesus had to say. And he begins to preach a sermon about what happened, who Jesus was, what happened to Jesus, and what it means for their life. And the text tells us at the end of it, they're cut to the heart, meaning because of Jesus, not because Peter's clever. He's a fisherman, ran a family business, got up there. He's like, I don't even like, what, here we go. And he gets up there and he preaches this sermon. It was Jesus. It was the power of God working through the word of God that changed the people that were hearing him that day. And he could have done a lot of different things, but I'm personally glad he didn't say, here's the seven steps to living your best life now. Thanks for being here. But instead he gets up and he says, Jesus, this is what the word of God says. And he lets the word of God do what the word of God does. And I think in our world today, as we look into the future, we've seen this for 50 years at New Hope, a church dedicated to the teaching and preaching of God's word. As we look into the future, we're up against a cultural problem. And that problem is there's not a big emphasis on preaching the Bible. And therefore, we're up against a, a bigger problem called biblical illiteracy. People don't know the Bible. And they assume they do and they don't. And it's led to all kinds of issues all kinds of problems. People think they know what church is and they, their view of church. One preacher described it this way. When people come to church, they see the preacher as a salesman, the Bible as his product, and the congregation as his clients, and they think they understand what church is. I mean, if the preacher's good and he sells his product, then the client will be happy and the church will grow. And if he's not that good of a salesman, well, then you go on to the next place where the salesman's a little better and the show's a little bit more entertaining, and then we're going to have the product. The problem is it's not what preaching is. That's not what teaching God's word is. The Bible says of itself that it is living and active, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And God does not need a salesman. 
What the church needs going into the future is what this church has faithfully had for 50 years. Preach and teach the word of God. The other thing they devoted themselves to was the fellowship. It's fascinating. These people couldn't get enough of each other. They loved being together. They were always coming together every time. And that's why the text says that they were together. Not just that they came together, but that they were together. There was this connection. Let me let you in on a little bit of of my Sunday routine. My alarm goes off pretty early on Sunday mornings. I get up and immediately my mind is to my sermon. I can't help it. I've tried a million different tactics. That's just where it goes. So I get myself ready, I go downstairs, I go into the study, I sit at the desk, and I begin to go over my sermon. I'll read it a few different times, try to feel comfortable with it, I'll get a cup of coffee, I'll get in my vehicle, and I'll drive here. And inevitably, every single time, I drive the same route. And as I'm driving here, I can't wait to get here. I pull into this parking lot, I come into the church. I make my way into my office because along the drive, sometimes a new thought comes. I want to make a couple edits to the sermon, and I know I'm limited on time. And so I make my way into my office, and I sit down, and inevitably, every time it hits me, ah, the sermon will be fine. I want to get out there and be with people every time. I can't wait to be here. One of the things I've loved in 13 years of New Hope is the problem at times that we have, people don't want to leave. I love it. The services are over and you're hanging out and you're talking and you're connecting and you're together and it doesn't change. And it's this beautiful thing that we see that the early church was devoted to being together. Some of you could tell me for days the connections that have been made at this church, the gathering of this church family that have impacted your life. I can say with 100% confidence that this gathering of God's kingdom in Whitestown, Indiana for the last 50 years as a part of my life for the last 15 and a half years being married to my wife has changed my life forever because God has done something special in the fellowship of believers that's taken place here for 50 years. And as we look to the windshield, after having great gratitude, looking into the rearview mirror, seeing the fellowship of believers behind us, we look forward and say, other people deserve that connection. And we need to keep leading forward. Last thing I'll I'll put the two together is that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Any scholar, anybody who reads this passage in the Greek will tell you, this is a language that the New Testament was originally written in. Anybody will tell you that there's uh, there's an article there in the description of the breaking of bread. They didn't just say, hey, they gathered together like breaking bread. That could have meant just eating. No, they gathered together and they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. This is a direct reference to communion. This is a direct reference to gathering together to remember the sacrifice of Jesus and partake of the bread and the juice. Every time the church gathered, as devoted as they were to teaching God's word, as devoted as they were to the fellowship of believers and making sure that we're all together, they were also devoted to taking communion and praying, to be a praying church. In other words, they were devoted to worshiping God. Every single time the church gathered. This is a priority. For 50 years, this church has never missed a Sunday taking communion. It's a beautiful thing. And I'll tell you this. Let me let you in on another little thing. Uh, Let me invite you into one of our staff meetings recently. Do you know what day of the week Christmas morning falls on in 2022? It's a Sunday morning. How exciting, right? How many of you are coming? I'm watching. I'm kidding. We will have a gathering here on Christmas morning. 
if for nothing else, to take communion and pray. Because the early church devoted themselves to it. God has called us to it. And for 50 years, this church has been faithful to it. You better believe when we look in the windshield, we can clearly see the devotion to being a church that worships. Constantly, when you look at the old, all throughout the Bible, you see the people of God were constantly studying the word of God, finding ways to be together all the time and always worshiping. For 50 years, when I look in the rearview mirror, I see a lot of things, but the thread through it all is I constantly see a church, a gathering of God's people studying the word of God. I see a group of people constantly looking for creative way, any way they can to get together, to be together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I see a group of people for 50 years devoting themselves to worshiping through communion and prayer. When I look in the windshield and see the future, I see the same thing. We'll do a lot of different things. We're starting our study of Ephesians next week. We're going to be in Ephesians all year, studying the word of God. One of my goals is to see us become a more of a praying church than we have been. The church has been an incredible place of prayer, but I want it to become even more. And as we study Ephesians, you're going to see the prayers of Paul, and it's going to encourage us to pray even more as a body of believers. We see fun, exciting things coming, the possibility of having to grow here and plant a church and all these other conversations that we're having with the elders about what is next for New Hope. But the thread from the history and the rearview mirror through the windshield of the future of this church is devoting ourselves to the teaching of God's word, to the fellowship of believers, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I hope that that describes our church, your family, and your life. Let's pray. Father, I, uh, I don't know how else to say. I just feel overwhelmed this morning. I hear the history of this place, and I listen. I get to share the pulpit with one of my preaching heroes, and I, my life's just better because of this place. My words fail me, God, so thank you. Thank you for this place and all that you've done and all that you're doing and all that you will do. And we give our thanks in Jesus' name.